Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well. Plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. Add a berry blast off for your day with the new berry pebbles. A berry twist on a classic breakfast. Perfect for giving those growing minds a blast of creativity. <laughs> with a new berry way to pebbles. Yabba dabba do you with berry pebbles. Head to postpebblescereal.com to learn more. Yabba dabba do and the Flintstones and all related characters and elements copyright and trademark Hanna-Barbera. Hello there, it's Al Murray here. You're listening to a We Have Ways of Making You Talk podcast special edition. Um, I'm sat in the car now in the rain, just coming down off an all, like a high, basically, because I've just been to the RAF Battle of Brit Memorial Flight Visitor Centre here at RAF Coningsby, and this is a podcast and a half. Hello and welcome to a We Have Ways of Making You Talk special. I am here at the uh, RAF Coningsby you can tell I'm excited at the um, RAF Battle of Britain Memorial flight. And we're just in the sort of waitingy bit in the hangar. And it's a hangar that smells of aviation fuel and 1940s aircraft. And I'm joined by the, well, I'm not joined, I'm being shown around by the boss, by the OC, squadron leader Mark Discombe. Thank you so much for having us. Um, the, the 12-year-old me is exploding right now. The pro- I can see bits of Spitfire as I glimpse through. I know, it, I, I'm as excited as, as you are. And you uh, work every, here. I know, but every time I'm here, it would be very easy to just sit behind a desk and not do anything. But yeah. I, I force myself, and that sounds terrible, to come into the hangar. Because yeah. this is this sort of amazing sort of uh, cathedral of, uh, uh, of, of old aircraft. Um, and as you can see, the glimpse around here, it is an incredible place to be. So to, to have a peek and have a look, even for myself, I've been here now for five and a half years. Yeah. Uh, it's awesome. Yeah, well, let's stop talking yeah, about come it. Yeah, Let's go around the corner. Right. Oh, my God. So, um... Oh, uh, my God. Uh, as it comes, it doesn't get much better than this as far as I'm concerned. It's the best hangar in the Royal Air Force. I don't think anyone would uh, disagree with me. Right. So, I- I'm just going to describe it for the listeners. To my right, uh, I'm, I'm 30 feet from a Dakota. Next to the... And the thing is, these aircrafts... These, they're, they're, it's winter, isn't it? So these aircraft are all being repaired. They're yeah, being... they're in a state of undress, so you can see under their skirts at the moment, yeah, but so that's a, interesting. A Dakota, a Hurricane, um, that's, a, that's a Spitfire with, with its D-Day stripes on it. Is that a, yep. that's a photo reconnaissance aircraft, uh, That is, it? that's a Mark 19, so a Griffin engine, Griffin so a engine, big whopper in that one. Great big lump, and then that's a Mark 9, isn't it? Mark 5, Mark closest. Mark 5, sorry. Then you've got the 9 in desert colours. Wow! And then as you come back around the corner, you've got a silver uh, Mark 19, but with yep. no engine currently. Yep. And then something a little bit different, Spitfire-wise, the 16 with a low back and clip wings. With, with a Packard belt. Uh, with a Packard. In fact, with for Packard. us, we've got two. Um, uh, we've got two with the American engine. We've got the Mark 9 and the Mark 16. Right, right, right. And the most important, because she's hidden around the corner, but she is just gobsmacking, is the Mark 2 Spitfire, the 2A that took part yeah. in the Battle of Britain. Yes, that's just, oh, you can see the, I can see the, oh, she is, the yes, brown and green colour you. scheme yes. from 1940. Yeah. Okay. So now, do you want to Well, 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 what's the history of the squadron? How did the squadron come about? Okay, so um, this was the great idea of Wing Commander Thompson. 
He was at Biggin Hill. Yep. Uh, he had, and I wish these days would continue, he had a hack. So he had a, a hurricane there that he used for his own personal getting around, which right. I, I really think the RAF should bring back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, although some say I've got them here. Um, so he had this aircraft and they were using um, that aircraft and some other aircraft still in service to do commemorative fly pass Battle yeah. of Britain etc. When was this? In the 60s? So, no, no, this is in the 50s. In the 50s, right. Um, and then uh, he said, well, we're losing the opportunity here. We are putting these aircraft out to pasture and, and disposing of them. We're going to lose opportunity. So he formed the historic aircraft flight at Biggin Hill in 1957, right. which was the, the founder eventually to become the Battle of Britain Memorial Flight. And it started with uh, four aircraft, three Mark 19s, uh, Spitfires that came from uh, Woodvale, RAF Woodvale. Yep. And, uh, and also one of the Hurricanes. Three of those aircraft are still flying with the Battle of Britain Memorial Flight today. Right. Wow. Wow. So luckily, it's just one individual who really sat there and went, hang on. We need to do this. Yeah. Because Spitfires were being, obviously, were being sold and scrapped and dumped, in the, dumped in, the, in the Irish Sea and all those sort of, you know, just... Well, the Mark II Spitfire was up for scrap and was actually sold for scrap for £25 after the war. Oh, so we were very lucky wow. that the chap who bought it went, I think this is quite an important well, hang, on, hang on to that, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's ex that is extraordinary. <laughs> well, well, so, well, where, where would, I mean, this is... This is uh, your your environment. Where would you start if you were showing me if you were showing me around? So I think, now? What, I think what, if we start and go through historically through the well, we can do it either historically through the aircraft or how you, as a modern fighter pilot in the Royal Air Force, if you were lucky to be selected here, would go through your training. Start with the Chipmunk, the Hurricanes, and then work through the Spitfires. Just do that, yeah. yeah so okay. yeah, so so there's a Chipmunk over there now. I remember those. I remember those. Uh, they're de, uh, de Havilland aircraft, aren't they? So they've got that's that right. distinctive tail. That, yes. that, that, that's on the mosquito oh, absolutely. And, and, and on the tiger moth even. Yeah, where the, the tailplane sticks out a little bit further than the yeah. rudder at the back. And I remember when, I, I mean, I'm, I'm old enough to remember cadets at my school who were in the RAF bit. They, I think once in a blue moon, they, 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 go, they go up in these things. Uh, if I had a beer for every time that <laughs> uh, I was showing somebody around and said, my first ever flight in an aircraft when I was an air cadet was a chipmunk. And it's me, you know, I yeah. put my hand up as well. Yeah. That's exactly what I did. It's an incredibly good post-war trainer. The RAF was still using them up until the beginning of the 90s, 1990s. Right. Right. Um, for us here at the Battle of Britain Memorial Flight, it was a perfect choice. So while we were disposing of some, we managed to keep two aircraft with the low hours on them. Um, and the reason behind them is everything is to do with stopping in a, in a tailwheel aircraft, yeah. stopping the back end, overtaking the front end. So right. the way I describe it, when you're flying the aircraft, they fly like any other aircraft. Yeah. On the ground, if you think about it, you've got these big wheels at the front, you've got a tiny wheel at the back. And the tiny wheel at the back is like your errant shopping trolley from a supermarket. Yes. It yep. just cut, casters around and wiggles. Does its thing. Yeah, and it, it does vibrate. You get a very sort of the annoying one that vibrates away. Um, but this is like throwing a dart backwards when you're on the ground. Yes. So the back end wants to overtake the front end. So we spend a lot of time, or I spend a lot of time, teaching the new fighter pilots the, the old techniques of using your feet, using the rudder pedals so, to because, keep it in because there's, line. Yeah, I mean, uh, famously, the Spitfire had a torque issue, didn't it? And you'd, you'd taxi sort of sideways. Uh, uh, it, that's the story, well, isn't it? And yeah. there's footage of people taxiing sideways, and then they, they take off, and they're kind of flying sideways. They've got to see over the nose as well, haven't they? So you have the twin issues of the nose and then the torque. It is. Is so, that right? I suppose there's two issues here. On the ground, you can't see where you're going generally. Right. Um, so we, we weave along the taxiway. Right. And that is so you can look one side. I'm not going to crash anything. And then before you run out of taxiway, you quickly turn it the other way. 
Uh, so I always like to tell people, we're not rubbish at doing this, we're doing it on purpose. Right. Um, and the second thing, yes, when you get to the bigger aircraft, um, there's actually a number of things that will want the aircraft to go sideways that you've got to fight. Yeah. Uh, whether it's the SIP stream, uh, whether it's gyroscopic effects, but there's about five things. By the way, are, in the background, effective. I think that's a typhoon. It is, yeah. This is also a... This is also a typhoon station. It is. So it's a fully, uh, 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 well, we've got four other units here, all flying the typhoon, two of which are fully operational. Going looking for bears. Uh, and they will do whatever is needed to right. okay. uh, for, for, the, uh, for the safety, which makes Coningsby quite a, you know, a exciting place to visit. You yeah. see today and coming in here, so you see yesterday. So these fighter planes are kind of living next to their old context, if you will. Ab absolutely. And I would say things like the Spitfire and Hurricane, their job was exactly what the typhoon yeah. is today. Uh, they were cutting edge of their time. Well, this is this is the thing James and I talk about a lot in the podcast. Is that is that the thing to remember about, for instance, I mean, we're right next to the Lancaster. We <laughs> no, it's quite the the Lan yeah. There's <laughs> a Lang there is, I mean, again, I'm within spitting distance of a Lancaster here. The Lancaster is the is a stealth bomber. It's it's as cutting edge. I mean, it's literally a stealth at, bomber. It's at designed the time, it's, at it the was. time. It, maximum and, and, and effect yeah so it's all about even then effects based operations the effect we wanted was to take a large amount of bombs but it didn't have to be that way yeah so next year's 75th anniversary of op manor where yeah, actually yeah. we took a lot of supplies to those people starving yeah. in the low countries in the netherlands but and the, Belgium. But, the, but the point is the tech in this you know the h2s is absolutely cutting edge yes the bomb site is totally cutting edge yep. the navigational aids everything everything a g and all those things that are in this plane or were in this plane we're, we're, we're as we're as cutting edge as a as, as a as absolutely a as the possible. as the F thirty five is now. Yes, absolutely. And that's the thing you've always I think you've always just because it's got propellers on, doesn't mean it's magnificent men in their flying machines. It's not it's not some sort of old fashioned no uh, novelty. It's it's some of these aircraft as well because of that because they were the absolute cutting edge of their time. They don't come with a lot of the modern sort of aids to pilots. No. So. I would say um, I've got a uh, two Typhoon pilots to fly the Spitfire and Hurricane here, and they would say that the aircraft now, the modern aircraft, are relatively easy to fly, very hard to operate. Right. Where I would say the Spitfire is really relatively easy to operate in our context today. I've got to yeah. go to air shows and, and navigate around in benign environment, but incredibly hard to fly. This is look out the window, hands but on the stick. Spit, and the Spitfires are renowned for being a great. You know, the, the pilots at the time they say it was just it was a it was a joy to fly. It was the sweet the sweet mistress of the air and all that. You get all that, yes. don't you? Um, you know, and people However, would say you don't get into a Spitfire. You strap it on. You know, yeah, you feel yeah, part yeah. of it, and you do. But they are a handful on the ground. How often do you fly a Spitfire then? Yourself? Uh, not enough, but uh, on the well, whole, it's more than me. Uh, well, true. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to get somewhere between 60 and 70 hours a year. So uh, that used to be a lot. Now that we've got more and more interest in the civilian uh, world uh, yeah. and certainly two-seat flying, yeah. that's not much. You know, we've got certainly some civilian counterparts flying 500 hours a yes, year. So I've done 15 minutes at the back of the Twin Suites. Uh, and it's awesome. It was amazing. It was a completely mind-blowing experience. Which one do you fly, by the way, Mark? Which so one? I fly, um, uh, I'm Generally. an instructor on the Chipmunks during the winter. Yep. And then during the year, I'm in, I'm in a, a very fortunate position. Being the boss, I kind of get to pick a little bit which one I want, depending which one's serviceable and how we rest them during the season. Right. Uh, but I'm qualified to fly on all of them, and I also convert people to them. So as an instructor, God it's quite damn. an easy job, because I get to get them to read a book, I test yeah. them on the book, I give them a few do's and don'ts and then tell them not to break it right so what we were doing was so that so you train people in the chipmunk yeah doing that little bit of knowing what it's like to fly like with a, a piston, tail piston aircraft piston and, with, aircraft. and with a tail, tail yeah so you can't really see where you go and i get them to sit in the back seat so they get to see my 
back of my really head. Can't see where yep. they're going. Uh, and uh, and I get them to use their feet on the rudder pedals. From there, I'm going to take them across the hurricane. Right, now, the hurricane. So run at the end. Right at the other end. Well, let's well, let's wander up. This is great. Right. So uh, we're here. We are at the hurricane. So the, the amazing. The first thing we do is get in the hurricane. Now you could say that's an odd thing to do because there are less hurricanes in the world. There's only about 14 of them flying. So a very rare girl. Um, flying wise. She's a lot more old-fashioned, so the systems are old-fashioned. Um, she's hard work to fly. Uh, I would say physically hard work on the controls. They're quite heavy. Mm. This radiator's been taken off, but the radiator is normally about sort of six inches below your bottom. So at that point, when when there's you know the radiator's hundred degrees, it, you're probably it's very, it's a very hot in the cockpit. hot environment. So um, as a Spitfire pilot, when the new boys fly in the Hurricane, you have a good laugh. You land and you're quite cool and collected, and they're coming out you know literally like being in a sauna. Um, so airborne, she's much harder to fly than a Spitfire. Because essentially reason, it's a Hawk Fury but with a monoplane. Absolutely. Because I think what, they went for the easy option. Yes, Get rid of the top wing. Yeah. Make the gear up, go up and down. Yeah, and put, put, and put the great big brand new Merlin engine that Rolls-Royce have just developed and got dead right. Yeah. And there I mean, you are and you've got a, mono, a modern monoplane yeah. aircraft. 300 mile an hour, eight gunfighter. Yeah. Um, but because they did that, they weren't really going to the cutting edge that you yeah. know, we saw later in the Spitfire. Um, but I get this first because um, a lot of the problems we've got are uh, less pronounced on the ground and the landing. So you've got a better position, sitting position. You get to see the runway more when you come into yeah. land. Uh, the undercarriage is further apart than yes, Spitfire. Yes, it's a famously much more stable undercarriage design. Much, yeah. And it was Geoffrey Wellham, before he passed away, when I was talking to him, was pretty much saying that, the youngest Battle of Britain pilot. And he described, and it's a perfect description of the Hurricane as a workhorse, Spitfire as a thoroughbred. Yeah. So if you consider that analogy, you've got this, you know, lumbering, uh, great big uh, Shire horse. Yeah. Um, plods along, really docile. Takes a little while to get up to speed, though. Yeah. And you look at the thoroughbred, you know, when she's in full flight, just absolutely incredible. Yeah. Being led around the paddock on the floor, holy yeah. shamole, you've got to hang on to it. Yeah. And so it's the exact way to, uh, to make the description of it. Now, this, so this hurricane here, we've, the, the wheels are off. It's up on, it's up on, on, on the trestles on, on now. Trestles, the jacks. And there's two guys, there's two guys working on, on her now. And of course, famously, it's fabric. So if the fabric, um, fa covered with fabric, if the fabric goes, what do you do? How do you replace the fabric? Uh, well, it's relatively easy, and it would have been the same in war. That you know, if you've not hit anything, which is uh, if somebody makes a slip yeah. um, or a bullet goes through it, if you've not hit anything vital, it is just cut another bit of fabric, stick it on with well, some where red. Where do you get your fabric? So uh, currently, although there are um, modern materials, this is a military secret. No, no, not watch. at all. Our <laughs> aircraft are still covered with Irish linen which was the traditional material. But there is a new material that we're slowly moving to. Right. But our aircraft has still got Irish linen. Amazing. And then they've got red dope on them, and that just yeah. kind of stretches up. It's like a varnish almost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that stretches it up, and then we paint over the side. So gun ports, and they, they've got red. Yeah. Um, that is just the colour of the natural colour of the dope. That isn't yeah. red paint. That's just the dope being used oh, to cover really? up the ports. Yeah. I didn't know that. Gosh. So, um, yeah, a very uh, hard aircraft to get right in the air, in the air I think. She's um, hard, uh, hard work to fly, very, you know, sort of hot in the cockpit. But landing, she's got her quirks, but she'll soak them up. Right. Uh, unlike a Spitfire, where she'll bite. 
if you make a yeah, mistake. If you, if you don't get it quite right and touch down, she's more likely to bite and, uh, and make you regret it. And what's the provenance of this hurricane then? Is this, is this, this, this is the is, last one ever made? Well, no, this no. is LF363. This is a hurricane we are fairly sure is the last one to enter RAF service. Right. So towards the back end of the war, hasn't got much of a, a pedigree. The other uh, hurricane we've got, which isn't here now, she's away uh, with a civilian contractor going through depth maintenance. Um, she is the last one that was ever produced. Right, wow. Uh, with a great history of flying with uh, Peter Townsend, yeah. uh, doing air racing, yeah. and eventually gifted at short notice uh, to the Royal Air Force by their chief test pilot before anyone could change their mind. Yeah. Uh, and then, obviously, possession, nine-tenths of law, uh, we wouldn't yeah. give it back. Yeah, yeah. So, so how, many sorry, how many hurricanes have you got? So we've got two. You've got about two. 14 in the world. Right. So, you know, I think that in itself is, is, is an amazing uh, aspect. Brilliant Merlin engine up front. And that really is the heart of pretty much most of the aircraft yes, in the hangar. Yes, it's basically all the aircraft except the Dakota, is it? Well, uh, and you've got a couple of Griffins. And yeah, a couple yeah. of Griffins yeah. where they just, you know, just wound it up. Now, how many hours do you get out of a Merlin engine? And then when you've got all those hours out of a Merlin engine, what happens next? Where do you get a new one from? How many uh, Merlin engines are there out there on the on the Merlin engine yeah. black market? You, now, you, now you can do most of the things. So there's some really good companies around the world and in Great Britain itself. We we uh, we contract to uh, a company in Britain that looks after the engines. Um, they will do full overhauls for us. Right. Um, a lot of the the dressing of the aircraft generators that you can get uh, refurbished. Right. Some elements are new, so you can get yeah. newly machined components. Um, the main part of it, sort of crankshafts and the the main block, you can't get, but they're quite bulletproof you know they're pretty yeah. heavy duty uh, items um, we've got enough here to keep us going we've got spares uh, uh, when we walk back down to see the Lancaster Lake, you'll see we've got a few underneath uh, green tarpaulin so yeah. we're looking after ourselves here um, so the engine I would say is the more critical item when you look at the fuselage I mean it's bent metal to the right shape and riveted with a lot of passion yeah. and and I guess um, skill behind it because yeah. it is a, a craft. And the other thing you're not element. doing with these aircraft, after all, is flying them in combat. You're not pulling loads of G. You're not uh, climbing them uh, at, at maximum rate. And all the all the things you all the things that f happen to fighter planes. All the things I'd love to do. Well, obviously, but, obviously. Um, but yeah, the, the biggest goal here is longevity. Yeah. The whole point here is for my sons, sons and daughters to be able to see yeah. these aircraft, to carry on the commemoration, yeah. to inspire future generations. And and also, I think when we go to air shows, it is there to celebrate the current Royal Air Force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By yeah. looking backwards. Yeah, because the ro like you said earlier, the role is identical. Yes. The fighter role is the interceptor role is identical. That that simply hasn't changed. And then the the ground attack role that these aircraft then developed into as as the war went, went especially the Hurricane, um, yes. that, that that hasn't changed either. The you, 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 you flew Jaguars, which is essentially a, a, it was a fighter ground attack aircraft. Absolutely, yeah. uh, and doing a very similar role because you know some of the time I did in the Jaguar, it was before a lot of the modern weapons yeah. were really mainstream. Yeah. Uh, so it was a very similar role. The whole point of these aircraft is maximum performance and firepower. Yeah. Their one goal was to stop the enemy. Yeah. Um, so so once you've once you've done your your hours on the Hurricane, then you move on to the Spitfire. Yeah, so I go chipmunk into the Hurricane. I, they want to have at least 10 hours, normally around 20, 25 hours. Yep. And then I'm going to get them into a Spitfire. Now, I've got three different classes of Spitfire. So we look at the baby Spitfires, the Mark II and Five. Yeah. Really lightweight. Then you go on to the uh, 9 and the 16. And we class those as one type. And then we go on to the beasts, the Griffin-powered Mark 19s. Now, I start with the 9 and 16, because they've all got the same wing. Yep. And the 9 and 16 has just got a little bit of extra weight to it, so it want to sit on the runway a bit better when you land right. it. The two so it's and the not as skittish. Exactly, the 2 and 5 really skittish. Everything that you desire in a, in a Spitfire. Yeah. Um, you touch down, 
and you just tell she wants to keep flying. You've got to just be, you know, really gentle. Let her settle. Let yeah. her slow down before you uh, before you think too far ahead of getting back to the uh, hangar. And then the Mark 19s are just well, they're beasts with a yeah. different engine. Because the remarkable thing about the Spitfires, because you've got your Mark. The Mark, am I right in thinking the Mark II, the essential difference with the Mark II is it, it doesn't have the um, twin-pitch wooden propeller. It's got a, it's got a multi-speed propeller. That's the, the big development, wasn't it? They the, did, and uh, with the Mark I, you ended up not having a fully feathering propeller, as you say. That's it was right. generally two-bladed. Two um, and also the gear, you end up having to pump up and down. Yes, you had to pump the gear by hand, because you see that footage of them, oh, yeah, yeah. early footage, where they're wobbling about because they're pump, pumping the gear well, by I'm hand. Doing one thing. It's, more, more, typh- more typhoons, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, and then, but the remarkable thing is, but by the end of the war, they've doubled the horsepower essentially and doubled yeah. the payload, and the and the same airframe. And this is the sort of the, the the genius of the design and the genius of the project management at Vickers, really, because they swallow up Supermarine, they and they get this plane and they go right. This this project has got proper longevity in it. The airframe is designed that we can we can amp this aircraft up and get it basically subsonic. Yeah, well, they started it in transonic speeds. When you're looking yeah. at some of the reports you're getting from pilots in the later model Griffin-powered Spitfires yeah. in dives, you know, they, they were starting to experience some of the control issues that yeah. are going transonic as you're yeah, approaching well, the sound to, barrier. Yeah, fly, yeah. Uh, fly in the opposite direction and all that sort uh, yeah, of stuff. Or yeah, very odd to, to do with aerodynamic twisting of the yeah. tailplane. Yeah. So, uh, because they weren't designed to take on those forces. Yeah. So, um, it just shows that although there's only one year between the first flight of a Hurricane 35 yeah. and the uh, first flight of a Spitfire. It was that next step, generational sort of move of aircraft design, yep. going in from, as you said, a Hawker Fury in essence, yes. which they kind of modernized slightly into a clean sheet design using, you know, from their um, yeah, air monocoque, racing Yeah, monocoque dis- di- uh, construction, Absolutely. all that sort of stuff. Yeah, although the, wi- the wing is the wing is a different, it's very different yeah. to their air racing wing and all, and all that yeah, sort of stuff. Absolutely. I mean, but the, however, the Hurricane, the, you know the, the the famous thing is that the, there were more hurricanes in the Battle of Britain. Yeah, they two accounted, thirds of the fighter force, yeah, and accounted for more kills. for more. Yeah, exactly, more yeah. kills. So you could say it's um, you know uh, I would suggest you go well. They had the same kill rate as the Spitfire. Um, there's the counter argument. Some people say that the hurricane was used on some of the slower yeah, bombers. On the bomber they streams, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but that's just that's just using the right tool for the right job. There's, there's, absolutely. There's no, there's no there's no kind of. Um, Looking for the competition in it, I always think is kind of is no, kind of. I think is she is the pointless. unsung hero. Yeah. Uh, I, I think when you look at her, yeah, she's not as pretty as a Spitfire. Yeah. Uh, she doesn't get the accolade because you know it's a PR war as well. And at that time, you know, yep. the Spitfire was the latest thing. And there are even stories of German pilots who were shot down when they were told they were shot down by a Hurricane. Would be like, no, 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 no it was a no, Spitfire. It was a Spitfire yeah. Because there was more honour in being <laughs> shot down by a, a Spitfire. So, so the uh, that's that's your Mark 16, isn't it? So the Mark is, 16, which is a little drop, bit different, the, which has got the the, the pointy tail. Which was because of the extra horsepower, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, so you'll find that from the Mark kind of nine onwards. onwards. And the clip wings, the clip wings, so it perform better at lower altitude. Well, also Am a roll right? rate. Right. So, um, it, so it is good at low um, low altitude because it, you've got a, a little bit more lift on the wing, which stabilises it, makes it bounce around a yeah. bit less. But also, it's a much better roll rate. So, if you consider um, uh, an ice skater, yeah. and when they're spinning, as they bring their arms in, they spin faster. Yeah. So that's what's happening here. You're removing the mass from the outside, bringing the centre of mass. Right towards centre so she'll spin and it's noticeably quicker so the first time and I've got the stage commander he's got this joy to come the first time you fly the 16 as you roll it you think whoa oh okay yeah. that, that is considerably quicker and that's just 
you know, I always like to say hacksaw two foot off yes. the end of the wings. Yeah, yeah. So it makes a huge difference. And the and the teardrop canopy. So and they, the teardrop. And, so they and drop. They, the, uh, to, I mean, the thing is, our listeners will know this. Um, is is that that the, the uh, previous marks of Spitfire that the canopy is in line with the fuselage that runs all the way back to the tail. That's right. And in this, the fuselage is lower. And you've got a you've got a bubble canopy around you, so you can essentially see you can see out and all around it, it's you. It's brilliant. So it's called a low back because of that. Exactly, as you say the the back of the fuselage is lower, um, and it's the only aircraft I've flown with a bubble canopy, and it's brilliant. It's quite you know amazing to see behind you. It doesn't, and the other reason you know you've got a good visibility behind you, they haven't stuck a rear view mirror on it. Where if you look around at the other ones, where it's not quite as easy to see, you've got a rear mirror signal maneuver. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, brilliant. Now the thing is though. We've talked a lot about, I mean, we inevitably talked about the fighter planes because there's so many fighter planes here, but we're right next to the, this Dakota. It's barely noticeable. DC-3, C-47, the, the air transport workhorse of the Second World War. And we've talked on the podcast, we've talked an awful lot about airborne operations, Arnhem in particular. This famously, Flight Lieutenant Lord flew one of these. This is the, this is the if you've seen a bridge too far, it's the plane they're all jumping out of. And I've jumped out of one of these, which um, I, mad. not something I care to repeat. <laughs> Absolutely um, mad. Uh, what's striking about this? I've always, what I've always thought is what's so striking about the um, Dakota is you look at Spitfires, and it, you know people talk about form and function and the aesthetic form and function meeting and all that sort of thing. And that's the thing people say, say about Spitfires a lot. I think it's the same with this plane. These are beautiful, and they. It, and it, it's not, it, it gets called a transit van, but it's not, it's better than that, isn't it? It, it is. It's far better. So, uh, you know, sitting next to it, I think it's one of those things where a uh, job done well by uh, Douglas. Um, yeah. They, they, this was the next generation of transport aircraft. Yeah. It's the first one with a truly round fuselage, which meant it bigger. You know, it, you could all of a sudden have a fuselage where in the perfect sales pitch for this aircraft is you could drive a Willys Jeep straight into it. Just yeah. get a couple of planks on the back and it goes. Um, it's the first time that you've got engines with a capability where if you fail, you can carry on. If one fails, you can carry on. Yeah. Before this, if one engine failed, pretty much old aircraft, the, the second engine would take you to the scene of the crash. Yes. Um, this is something <laughs> that will carry on and keep going. So it's just an incredible. I think um, Eisenhower said, so he said there were four things in the war the you know items that really help bring the war to an end quicker and to help the allied cause and this was one of them so yeah he didn't mention any fighter aircraft when it came to aircraft this is the one aircraft he mentioned the dakota for getting in well, troops and people yeah. and getting back our injured. james would love that that's the operational aspect of war that he keeps talking about he bangs on and on about on this podcast and um he'll be delighted to hear that <laughs> i mean the the, the 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 interesting thing about this of course is that is that Early on, this plane was obviously available to the Allies, and, and so we put the British put in loads of orders for it, because we knew we couldn't make anything like this. No, this, this was, and I think it's nice to know this, there's times where you want to be homegrown, there's times where you want to use your, you know, your best, and we've got the best in Britain, you yeah. know, it, it, was, it is and was great. Um, so, but there's got to be times where you realise, and especially during war, that no, we need something, and that's as good Just as it gets. It. Yeah, yeah. So let's get it on the table, yeah, and yeah. let's get it into the What theater. engines are these? Because so it's a it's a radial, isn't it? So it, it, it is. It, so a twin a twin wasp. So you've got actually two banks of radial. So you can see the front bank here, but actually yeah. behind that there's another bank. So there's 14 cylinders in total. Um, uh, Pratt and Whitney made. Yeah. Air cooled. So the uh, only the Chipmunk has got an air-cooled engine, but if we look at operational-type yeah. engines... The others the are all glycol-cooled, aren't they? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, so 70% yeah. water, 30% glycol, yeah, yeah. nice vivid green colour. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, for us, it's training aircraft. 
yeah. which is quite hard to believe because we use this to train our crews before they move on to the Lancaster, which really? is much more of a handful. And I'll, I'll hand over to one of the bomber pilots in a moment and then he can give you a flavour of what it's like to fly these aircraft. Um, but also it's got an incredible history in itself in the war. So this aircraft painted to represent one of the first that landed in the liberated France. So you know, we've got it in D-Day invasion stripes now. Um, this year, during the display season, um, there was uh, an opportunity for us uh, in the 75th anniversary of D-Day to um, uh, a drop of parachutists. So we ended up dropping uh, 16 Air Assault Brigade into a drop zone near Cannes. Wow. So, you know, to be able to take part in that in such a vivid reminder of what we're doing with, you know, but not real powers. But not at night in bad weather thing. like they did oh, on the occasion. No. <laughs> um, but but uh, I think it was fair to say that 16 Air Assault Brigade, the, the flight attendant I was talking to there to organise it said he could have retired early if he could sell the tickets. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of hierarchy of very Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. It's just a one-off. It's a beautiful plane. But thanks. This, I mean, this is, I mean, this is full. Um, Willy Wonka is basically the... <laughs> It's like talking to Willy Wonka. It's awesome. <laughs>
But like all airplanes, like riding a bike, the penny drops and suddenly you're quite comfortable. Right. Um, it does set you up nicely for when you move on to the Lancaster. As a training aircraft, it's ideal. Well, should we move on to the Lancaster? Should we do that? Basically impossible to take in in here. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> it's, um, I remember the day I got the phone call saying, mate, you're on the team. And it's just a permanent grin. Yeah. And you, uh, people get sick of you telling them you're on the team. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I can imagine. Tell us about this Lancaster then. What's the story with the actual aircraft? What's its provenance? It was built like... A lot of the aircraft in here, that some were built and took part in the war, uh, notably P-7, who, who I'm sure the boss has told you yeah. about, some didn't take part, some were built towards the end and didn't see a lot of action. The Lancaster is one of those examples. It was built in 1945. Yep. It was uh, destined to go out to Japan as part of the Tiger yes, Force. Yeah, Tiger Force, yep. The Americans dropped their bombs, the war yeah. ended, and luckily she never saw any action, which is why she's in such good condition of an right, airplane so of Right, so it hasn't age. got 100 hours on it. It didn't have, a, you know, the hundreds of hours that... Because, because the Lank, Lank famously was built to do about 100 hours, wasn't it? And Not then people... Yeah. And then, and then, and then... It's odd to think of, but largely throwaway items. Yeah. You know, 7,737, and there's two left. Good God. And, and basically, a, a huge percentage of British manufacturing output put into making Lancasters and nothing else. That's right. Because because the, the American bomber types weren't good enough. Nope. And this was... Carpet bombing. Absolute... Room 101. For, yeah. for, for carpet bombing. Yeah, right, yeah, which after all is what this is for, is for area bombing or dehousing or whatever yep. euphemism you want to you use. Yes. Um, it's for... It's for killing civilian populations on mass on mass unfortunately yeah. yeah so and that might i mean is is that a thing that that occurs to you or do you think it is yeah it is it's it's um if you read johnny johnson's book he, he has a style of his book he talks about a lot of um public opinion about what they did during the war yeah and he's quite uh, firm in his belief you weren't there you yeah. didn't have to live through this and the fear of what might happen if we didn't. Yeah. And that's quite true. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, because the public opinion was actually pretty fluid about, it about was. area bombing, yeah. quite interestingly. Mm. Um, anyway, so here we have four Merlin engines. Uh, one of them's got the propeller off at the moment. So what, what's happening in the terms of maintenance now? Is this just like just checking everything yeah. deep top into the to bottom? That's right. Deep into the winter maintenance program. Uh, as you can see, it's on jacks. The wheels are off. They're inspecting and replacing or repairing any and everything, making sure that it's in tip-top condition for when we start our public display workup for, the, for next season. Right. And how, how many hours did you fly on this last year? I got about 50 hours in this last year. I've got just under 200 on it altogether, which is uh, is quite a lot considering the amount of hours we're allowed to fly each season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so now, if I write, I'm right, I'm thinking that crew on this would have been there'd have been a bomb aimer, the the guy in the front turret, the navigator, radio operator, flight mid, engineer, mid to rear gunner. And then the pilot and a flight engineer, no co-pilot. Because that's after right. all, this is a Manchester that's been um, amped up. That's right. So yeah. Avro built the Manchester, which had two Merlins on. And, that's and, right. And they were, they were underpowered, underpowered famously. Yeah, hugely. Couldn't lift, couldn't lift the load, couldn't do the speed. Because, of course, the thing about the Lank is it's, it's a 300-mile-an-hour aircraft yeah. if, you, if, you, if you're going for it. That's right. So it's, it's quick. It's as quick as the Hurricane was when, in the hurricane, yeah. when the hurricane came along. So do you still fly with just pilot and flight engineer or do you, do you have a co-pilot? Well, how does it work? We have a co-pilot now because um, obviously it's being used in a completely different role to what it was during, yeah. during the war. But we have to get the captain ready for displaying. And for displaying, I mean doing the individual display, but also yeah. thinking the bigger picture of flying with two fighters on the wing. Yeah. So the standard Lancaster hurricane spit display. Yeah, that we've all seen. There's yeah. a lot to consider in that. So... If I was to talk you through a new co a new pilot, he'd join the team, he'd start on the Dakota, 
two and a half hours later, he's offline that on his own. Right. He'll then do his display workup. Yeah. He'll get his first public display approval. If all goes well, mid-season of his first season, we'll then start his co-pilot tra- conversion on the Lancaster. Yeah. It's not a lot, actually. It's about 45 minutes of training. Yep. Because you are a non-handling pilot. You don't land the airplane from the right-hand seat. Yeah. So you really are doing the flight engineer's job of yep. the right-hand seat. But if you think about it, you're exposed to the full display package. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. then later on, when you've got some more time on the airplane, you're ready to jump in the left-hand seat and take command. Yeah. I mean, it, it, when you start this up and those engines go and... It, I mean, it, it, it must be the most extraordinary. It's mixed emotions. It's, <laughs> it's you come into work, you do the Met brief, you, you plan the, the sortie, uh, you talk to the fighters about where you're going to meet them and how you're going to arrive on your display venue, uh, and then it's a case of um, fear. Yeah, you're in the only one the RAF owns that's airworthy. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Excitement. <laughs> um, it's a different aircraft to handle than conventional airplanes. Yep. That's why the Dakota is such a good training vehicle. It's a tail dragger so it will bite you uh, on landing it's also difficult to taxi uh, and there's a little little voice in your ear saying you've got to land it mate don't yeah. get this wrong yeah you, uh, can't, you can't stuff that up no you can't and you don't want to be the only the RAF pilot that wrecked our priceless Lancaster you know I hadn't thought of it like that I thought you were going to say At the it's other, an honour and a privilege and I can't quite it's believe it's all uh, that uh, the opportunity it's uh, all that but it's it's you know you want to bring it home safely every day without without any damage uh, and also if you think about it you're in today's modern age of Facebook and Twitter you're in a very public forum yeah. when you're on display and well yes because you because because um, you do see a lot of that pushback they didn't turn up on time and all that yeah. sort of thing I think it was the weather you know that's it's right the weather of these aircraft are precious it is and you've got you know ultimate sort of cloud-based limits to operate to yeah. uh, we don't have any icing or or um, instrument flying capability right but also the big gotcha uh, particularly if you're a new pilot is the crosswind limit so we haven't got big grass strips we have a concrete runway to land on yes. wherever we are and we can't take more than 10 knots across if you're a brand new pilot or 15 if you're an old hand so again they're not big limits oh that's interesting so that's one of the reasons why we tend to not turn up right so what's the what's difficult about flying you say it's a difficult aircraft to handle what's difficult about the lancaster taxiing is difficult um it's it doesn't have a pin like the dakota that keeps the tail wheel straight so keeping it straight is a combination of rudder inputs outboard engine inputs jabbing the brake to keep it straight the penny you're working working all the time all the time right yeah but on landing in particular, without getting too technical about it, most of the mass is behind the main wheels. So if you don't land straight, that mass wants to swap ends and turn the aircraft around through 180 and straighten itself out. Whereas conventional airplanes have the mass in front of the wheels and they will help you straighten up on the runway. That makes sense? Yes, it, yeah. Oh, yes, it very much does. Yeah. It very much does. So make sense. we call that a ground loop and, it, right. and the, the airplanes will bite they will bite and it's determined to do that when you're landing it it's not determined if you're straight but it will it's determined if you're not straight that's the point yeah Bloody hell. and no amount of rudder or braking will stop it from doing it if you let it go right has that happened to you no <laughs> hence i'm still on the team and they call me the bomber lead um it's you know we can all make mistakes but we we just we, we wrap them in cotton wool and we train hard so that doesn't bite us yeah yeah i can i can only i mean i can only you got to haven't you a qu- quick little little bit extra um neil's just brought us around to the back of the lancaster um and there's a there's a plaque here on the fuselage what, what, what we got here Neil? well if you're ever lucky enough to to 
to watch us as we're starting up and, and taxiing off, just before the crew get into the aircraft, we always enter via the rear, the rear right uh, entrance. There's a little plaque on the side of the airplane, and it says to remember the many. So that's referring to the many of Bomber Command, the 50,000 plus that didn't come home. Yeah. And you'll, you'll see every time a crewmate goes in that exit, just give it a, a tap as a mark of respect before he gets in the airplane. And we do that without fail. Incredible. Now, I notice there's no um, tailplane. There's not a lot to this aircraft at the moment. The wingtips are off, the wheels are off. That's it crated up there. Is that the tailplane crated up there? Yes. So what, what's the story there? We're putting a new one on is the bottom line, and it's right. all part of keeping the aircraft going forever. So uh, there is an element of triggers broom to all these yeah. aircraft, and, and various parts are getting replaced. Right. And that's being sent off to some specialist fabric fabricator? And it is. It's off to get measured, isn't it, Norm? Off to get measured so we can build a jig to build another one and eventually replace the tail that's on. So... Um, so we've come, just popped round to the back of the lank, and here is the rear gunner's turret. And the thing I, when I, I mean, I've stood, stood by aircraft like this before in the past and looked at this just, the loneliness of it, and the, it's hard to, it's hard to put into words. And you're, you're at the end, you're freezing cold, you're miles from everyone else in the aircraft. Yeah. Back in the day, if you ever meet any t uh, rear gunners, they were the first airborne and last to land. Yeah. And I, I did my first, what we call a famil flight in the Lancaster, actually from the upper turret. So, as you can imagine, we're like kids in a sweet shop when we're learning to fly the thing. So they put you in the upper turret just to watch and listen and take it in. So that wow factor's taken from you for when you then start to learn to fly it properly. Uh, and I can remember being in the upper turret on my way down south with the guys and you feel very, very exposed. Very exposed up there. Yeah. Big glass bubble all on your own. I wouldn't want to do it during the war. No, I mean, th th these, jobs, these jobs are sort of unfathomable, really. And, 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 and uh, again, at night, yeah. this, the, the thing with these aircraft is they're designed for night flying. And so you're at the end here looking, I don't know what you're looking for. You're looking for someone's exhaust trail. You're looking yes, for the rest, rest of the bomber stream. You're, you're, uh, a, bit luck, a bit of luck. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's all, it's all, I mean, and, and the th of course, there's an open panel because you, the, so you can definitely see clearly through the perspex so that how cold it is there and you've got a heated suit that you plug in and you hope that works yeah the, the other thing about all those suits is if you ever get the chance to walk inside the Lancaster you think it's a big airplane you think it's a big machine it's not it's very cramped with lots of little steps in it and, and things to get caught on so I wouldn't have wanted to have been anybody in that in the war with their heated suits on with their sheepskin leathers on fire in a spin at night trying to jump out well with your with your with your parachute and getting over the main spar is the uh, yeah. you know the the crew at the front of the aircraft have to get over the main spar to get to the exit i yeah. mean it none of it's good is it no nope. and it will be panic it will be sheer panic the questions of area bombing aside that the, what these people are going through and the 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 the, the fear and the guts required yes. very special people yeah two ways about it this is just the most i mean, I mean you know I'm, I'm amazed I'm allowed in here, but you get to fly the... I know, and it's, 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 I think it's been described already, it's the, it's the best hangar in the Air Force. Everyone yeah. wants to be here, everyone's yeah. happy to be here, and it's, it's uh, yeah, it, no one's ever upset when they come to BBMF. Okay, well, thanks for, thank you very much for your time, Neil. My um, pleasure. Absolutely fascinating, and, um, I mean, it's, it's Willy Wonka in here, isn't it? It's the, it's the thing, that's the vibe I'm getting anyway. Good, yeah, it's good. <laughs> well, it's nice to meet you. Likewise, thanks very much. <laughs>